everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and if it is your first time here, let me just give you a quick breakdown. What we do every single week is we take the stories and the experiences of those who are a little bit ahead of us, and we use those to help those behind us navigate what could be next. It's those moments that you look around and say, why did no one tell me that this was going to feel this way or that this would happen? I can guarantee you someone has been where you are, and I hope you find them right here. My new friend, Kimberly, Kimberly Stewart's jumping on here. And guys, I'm going to tell you my, mo- my most fun fact that I found out about you two days ago, Kimberly. I knew you were an author, right? I had kind of like skimmed over your bio, all that kind of stuff. You write fiction. Yeah. I both. thought yeah. you were just a nonfiction author, right? And right. so then I start doing my digging and stalking, some would call it. And I discovered you have several novels that you have written. I do. I need to start there, okay? Because I feel like that takes more creativity and you got to be stronger to write some fiction because you've got to do dialogue. You got to come up with words (laughs) for other people. It's not just your own words. How did you get into fiction writing? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It is a delight to be here. I'm so glad you're excited today. And I'm sure you've said that to every guest, but I'm pretending it's just me and that it's new today. It is. I've never said it before. I usually say I can't stand the person I'm about to interview, but I let them on anyway. (laughs) (laughs) To my despair, our guest today is a so fiction. Here's the thing with fiction. I think... After having done both. So my my first nonfiction actually comes out in April. That's a book of lots of personal stories that will really embarrass everyone who's ever known <laughs> me, most especially me and my parents. The true stories are yours. They come, yeah. they get to be yours. And the fake stories are ones that, I don't know, I feel like you can always kill some off in scene seven. That's true. You can't. I mean, legally, you're not supposed to kill Aunt Irma. Yeah. Though she might have it coming to her. But isn't that so, the truth? Yeah. So you can write yourself into in and out of corners with fiction because it's all yours to hold and nonfiction, not so much. You're required to be a truth teller. I, I thought about, someone asked me, it might have been my husband, actually, if I would want to write fiction. And I immediately said no, because I always, when I skim a book, right, when I'm reading a book, I always skip to the dialogue almost every time, right? Like I'll skim the context of what's happening, but then I want to get to the dialogue because that's where like the good stuff is. The juicy part. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I don't feel confident in writing the dialogue aspect of it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I think you'd be great at dialogue. It's all banter. Oh my gosh. Just as you speak, you're very witty. So Yeah, but here's the problem. I'm funnier in my head than I am in real life. Well, (laughs) Well, my three teenagers would definitely agree with you. Shouldn't have said that one, Bob. That's normal. I don't know. I think you get better as you go. I think you could totally do it. Don't sell yourself short, Callie. I'm telling you. Listen, what a dream. What a dream. But Kimberly, when you look back at your 20s, did you think that you would end up where you are now doing what you're doing right now? No, I didn't even know this was a job. I think we are so quick to, and this is a very natural human reaction. We watch um, the people in front of us and take cues from them on what are the possibilities. I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, where I live again today. After Gosh, a bustling big city, you know, we'll just. Hey, got 600,000 people. 
Here, can I tell you something? Where are you based? I didn't even know where Iowa was until I had to learn the 50 states with my third grader the past week. Now I know. Okay, well, listen, that's the failure of the U.S. education system or yours. That might just be yours. That's not Iowa's fault. That is my fault. No, we're... (laughs) Definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) So I'm down in Tennessee, which... That I mean, everyone knows where Tennessee is. I mean, I really do, but I, mostly because I study. So this is on you, Mostly because I took the time <laughs> to learn it. Okay, that's the that's the difference. We just happened by Tennessee, Gally. We learned where it is. I didn't pass it accidentally on my way to Target. <laughs> I literally, if you, my husband handed me the map when my third grader brought it home and was like, I want you to go ahead and name oh, all the states that you can, has. right? So I'm like, Florida, got it. Maine, got it. California, Texas. got it. Texas, nailed it. And from there, I'm like, oh, Tennessee, I can do that. And then I was like, and then there's this middle area. And that's just the middle, okay? And this is why people in the Midwest hate you, because there are a lot of rich lives being lived out here, and you're missing the whole thing. I'm going to say that's fair, okay? I'm going to accept it. That seems fair. I don't blame him one bit, okay? (laughs) But you are in in Des Moines, Iowa. Is it Des Moines or Des Moines? It is not. The S is silent. Kind of like Illinois. I kept saying Illinois when I was talking about yeah, don't do daughter. that either. And my oh, husband wow. was like, I'm... "Did you go to school? Did you attend a school at any point?" <laughs> so far, I love your husband. And second of all, I'm sending you a bath. Please color coded. It won't make okay. a difference. I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay, you're not even going to unpack it. I yeah. already know. Won't even look at it. Okay, so I did not know a lot of novelists. Maybe you did in the culturally rich. Tennessee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, I did not know a lot of novelists. Now, funnily enough, my mom is a professional musician. And, That's a really yeah. cool life, I have to say, just to have a well, mom who's a sometimes musician. Sometimes it is. Yeah, oh, she's so amazing. She's a classical violinist. So I was familiar with the idea of living kind of a more arts-oriented life, but I'm also a firstborn female. And as far as I knew, I would need to pay bills. And so even if I had considered, you know, what I'd really love to do is write a novel or write a book, I would have dismissed it out of hand because who does that? And how how do you possibly have a paycheck? So I actually was a teacher for a high school teacher, a junior high and high school of English as a second language and Spanish. And I loved it. And Spanish too? Yes, I, I love it. I am more so and more impressed with you. I love this. Don't be impressed. Don't be. Don't okay, be I'm not. Definitely anyone not. can do that. Hola. No. You're welcome. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely anyone can do that for sure. So, no, if you would have told me at 20, here's what's ahead, the writing would be a surprise. I'm coaching other writers now. Didn't even know that was a thing. So, if you're 20 and listening, um, what a glorious posture to have. Just one of open hands, super soft heart, and just. Be curious. Just continue to be curious about yourself and about the world around you. And I'm telling you, there are probably things out there on the road ahead for you that you don't even know how to name it yet, Mm -hmm. which is super fun. And that's exciting. Some people hear that and are scared, right? Like the ones who who are the firstborns and who are like, I like a plan. I want to know. See, I'm third. And so... I didn't, I'm fly by the seat of my pants with everything. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just here for a good time. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, some will hear that and they almost hit the panic button of like, no, no, right. I know where I yeah. need to be or where I should be. But how did you figure out though? Like here you were teaching 
you know, English as a second language and Spanish. How did you figure out, okay, this maybe isn't what I want to be doing? And then, because mm-hmm. we're seeing that a lot, especially amongst millennials right now, who they're looking around at their life and they're like, I don't know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This doesn't, mm-hmm. I feel like there's something more that I should be doing. Right. What did you do in that scenario when you were like, I might try something else? Or what did it look like to get to do what you're passionate about now? Right. I wish I had a linear map for you to follow. Oh, you hate maps. Yeah. I'm uh, I wish I had a else. bullet point list. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. There was no, I wish I could say there was strategy. There was zero strategy. I am saying to my own kids, I have a 21 year old, 18 and 15. And so we are, we are in that space, especially with the 21 year old kind of moving into, well, what's next, right? You feel like everything makes sense for your high school and then you go to college and then maybe you go to grad school. And then there's this precipice of, well, what now? Yes. It's what? like a cliff. Now this is real. Mm-hmm. Totally a cliff. Totally. So, I would say paying close attention to how God wired you. So faith is a big deal for me. I don't think this is an accidental wiring the way I am made. And most most people, I don't know if this is just for women, but might be women specific. But I know for women, most women anymore have seven different careers. Now, if you're a firstborn or a detail person or a planner, that could make you start to hyperventilate. So I would say back the track up take a deep breath and decide none of those things happen without your consent. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't need to make the big jumps today. There, This is just a step, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even when folks ask about getting into writing, most of those things are small steps, small decisions done consistently. As far as what prepared me to make the jump, nothing. I had a date. Yeah. That's what happened. So <laughs> I was impregnated, Gally. It was a very exciting time. I and, was with uh, child and my and I had to change everything. It was great. I mean, I did the math. And at that point, you know, this is 21 years ago to to get childcare mm-hmm. uh, almost was a wash for teaching high school full time or paying for childcare. And so and I also really I loved being with my kiddo. I'm for that season I wanted to be at home. So I don't think it was you know, the decision was really from with me and Mark deciding, okay, I guess we're going to try this. It didn't make any financial sense. He was in grad school. I'd finished grad school and he had some time to go, but we knew he'd get a good job like within the next three years. Yeah. And anyone can eat mac and cheese for three years and right. just price it, you know, you know, maybe a couple saltines will give yeah. you some carbohydrates. Listen, that's fancy. I will tell you that when I got pregnant, And this is, we talk about all these like no one told me moments is what we call them of like, wait a second. Other people have experienced this and no one told me about it. I would say that childcare was probably the top three things that no one told me about having a baby of just how difficult (laughs) childcare is, especially when you feel a a calling outside of the home and you're like, I want to keep pursuing this, but you feel like you have to choose. When you were at home with your firstborn, did you ever get an itch? to do to like go and do something or it was the shock of my life yeah I mean when you say no one told me no one told me how unbelievably intense that would be yeah. I did not know I don't know what I was to think that it would just I mean I think people smoke more stuff now with Instagram feeds and think oh and everyone will be in neutral colors yeah and uh-huh. smiling uh-huh. with ringsy cheeks and brushed hair mm-hmm. that does not that didn't happen to me I mean if I I used to tell her you're the options a fairly clean home, which is not looking good for you, or a clean wife, 
And by clean hole, I mean like the top layer of the dishwasher unloaded. I'm not, we're not overachieving here. And so did I have an itch? Yeah. And the way I, the reason I started writing was out of that itch because Mark kept coming home and I was scaring him with how I would attack him with questions and say things like, please tell me everything you've ever said today, go. And then what did that person say? Go. I mean, it was, he was the one who became alarmed and was like, you know, I feel like maybe you should pursue a hobby. Here's a thought. Yeah. You could maybe write something and and that might work. Yeah, for you, we you know? absolutely literally went to the closet and extracted an ancient laptop. And I started during nap time, just sitting down and, and writing some things. And so, yes, I knew that I wanted to be home. I wasn't, I wasn't conflicted about that. I know that not everybody has that clarity, um, especially in those early days. But I sure knew, I knew that that was where I was supposed to be. I just didn't know how hard it would be. And I also didn't anticipate the social swing right. from being in a space with, you know, my colleagues all day and feedback. No one comes at the end of your week and says, let's have an after action review for your parenting. Yeah. Let's see how um, that I really went for feel you. like you diapered well. Yeah. No, never, never. I was just total crickets. Yeah. So yeah, it was a learning curve for Gosh, sure. Gosh, is that not the truth? So I, I was in ministry for about 15 years as a content director, creative director, stepped away two years ago and my kids were about to go in mm-hmm. school. And the idea was to be writing, be available for them more and be writing and doing the podcast and all this stuff. And then surprise, we got pregnant with the third baby. Okay. You you might be listening and you might have two children and you might think the Lord is telling you to have another. And I'm here to tell you he's not. You know, I'm just let me. the Holy Spirit Kelly, has spoken. Kelly doubles and the Holy Spirit. I don't you know if you know help. that, but when I left, when I left ministry, I did. I now am very into in some freelance yeah, work. Yeah, a little bit of freelancing. No, but the third rocked my world. But the biggest thing for me in this season, because the other two, I went back to work after like four to six weeks. I was like, I'm back. You know, I like don't hold me, don't hold me back. I'm going. And it was the people I loved the people so much. And then now being at home with the baby and working from home has absolutely rocked my world. So I'm the same way right now. Like Ryan comes home and I'm like, hey, what do you want to talk about? What did you do today? Do you want to know what I did today? Nothing. What did you do? Tell me. I stared at this baby and wiped a bottom. Now go. Shoot. What do you have? So I, that was the biggest thing for me was where are the people? I need to talk to somebody, you know? And yeah, when, especially sure. when you work from home, which I think a lot of people have transitioned in and out of that, it seems like a great idea. But for me, who's so team oriented, I was like, where? But like, I can't bounce anything off of anybody. It's just me, you know, like, right. Taking totally. this contract work and I have these ideas and are they good? I don't know. I'll send them anyway and we'll see. You know, yeah. like there's who knows. I've only asked my baby. I know. And he loves baby every idea. Great. You know, yeah. he's, he's for all of it. <laughs> But as you started writing, how did you know what your lane would be and build your confidence in it, right? So maybe for whoever's listening, it's not just about writing. Maybe it's, you know, they're they're interested in trying something else. How did you build your confidence in it? What happened for me was that I saw a very tiny ad at the very bottom of a page for the alumni magazine where I had for the University of Iowa, which is where I'd got my graduate degree. And for alums, they had this little baby contest. Uh, I can't remember. It was like 
100 words. And the only requirement was that the story had to do something with Iowa, had something to do with Iowa. And so I wrote this story about bringing my little girl um, to my dad's hometown for the first time. It's a tiny town in Northwest Iowa, 250 people meeting her, her great grandparents. And really, it was more of an exercise for me to, again, like I knew that there were parts of my head and my wiring that I just had to keep pushing into because no one would ask. (laughs) I just did it my own darn self. And I won that contest. So I think that was probably the biggest boost because just just exactly what you were saying, Kelly, that I feel oftentimes when we are creating new things or forging new paths, it's such a tender time because the, the knee jerk is to think, well, maybe I'm the only one. First, maybe I'm the only one who's ever done this. Or maybe I'm the only one who sees the value in this. Maybe I'm the only one who should ever see this, right? So it's just this battle internally. So that was a safe place for me just to have a deadline, push it out there. Beta testing with other people is helpful. I, I would... There is a huge asterisk at the end of that, though, when we're building confidence in new endeavors. I would really recommend vetting very, very carefully who can handle that, who can handle the idea, who will, who do you know will just douse that fire with oxygen? Mm -hmm. If there's even an inkling of a doubt, I wouldn't go there. I just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Even now when I'm working on new projects or new book ideas or, you know, any sort of new venture, I'm pretty careful, not as a, you know, I'm not a super private person, you might have noticed. It's not privacy. It's more tending to that fledgling fire. It's just starting. And it's amazing how one reaction can really stop you in your tracks, even if it's Mm well-intentioned. Lots of times these come from people who know us well. Sometimes they come from people in our family who are already, depending on their wiring, they're already thinking of all the ways this could fail or all the ways this could be better. Are you sure you're capable of that? Are you sure you're the right person? And so, you know, even if it's well-intentioned, you don't, you don't need to hear that at mm-hmm. the beginning. Mm-hmm. So really being careful with who you show this work to, I think is a really, it's a wise move. You have to be really, just honor the work and it's a work in progress. So you know the people. I mean, when you're listening to this, my guess is you know the people who will say, oh yes, you should totally try that. Of course, there will be bumps in the road, right? Of course, there will be things that crash and burn. That you don't need the realist in that moment. Mm -hmm. You need the you need the cheerleader. You need the person who can see who you can become. Mm -hmm. Did you have crash and burn moments? Did you have things that made you think maybe I should just go back to teaching? Forget writing. Oh, hundred percent. I need to to throw this in reverse and get out of here. What were those like? Oh my gosh. I mean, they're, they still happen. And this is a very strange job, you know? And so on the one hand, I'm by myself making things and stringing words together. And on the other hand, it's very outward, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody who's had a bad burrito can put a review on Amazon and it and lives the there truth. until our death, mm-hmm. okay? And it's the so, only one anyone reads. <laughs> it is, yeah. And it's up there forever. <laughs> There's, yeah. Oh, oh, Brenda and Pope Kipsy. Why couldn't you have just yeah. walked on by? That 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 could be soul crushing. I know you know this too. It's just an exercise in in humility over and over again. So have I thought about burning the ships? Hundred percent. In fact, my beginning was faster on the track, and and I hit really the biggest speed bumps in the middle. Okay. So after five books, 
we shopped a manuscript for 18 months with my agent and nobody picked it up. And 18 months is a long time to be waiting on what's next. And I thought, okay, I have five books out. Like now we know how to do this, right? No. So I had, I had to come back to what are the things that make my heart race, right? Or what are the, what are the pursuits that make me feel most me, even when they're really, really hard? You know, I'm not saying that every bit of your wiring will just feel like crazy. It doesn't. A lot of time, writing is hard. Writing is hard work. And, you know, the pursuits that you're thinking of as you're listening to this, there might be something that you know you love to do and it is hard. Both of those things can co- coexist. Mm-hmm. But I have tried to quit and I keep coming back to it, which makes me think that there's something there for me. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I would say, there are lots of different ways to use your ideas. So, for example... If you're thinking of becoming a writer, well, that's fantastic. There are a bazillion ways you can use that gift. It can be long form or short form, but fiction or nonfiction. Start out just on social media. Brush off that ancient blog. Maybe you won't get a ton of traffic, but you'll get into the discipline of writing Mm. and pushing out new content all the time. Maybe really what you want to do is even shorter than that. Maybe you're really good at using words to encapsulate big ideas few words. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're more into, maybe you will end up helping our authors, you know, crystallize back cover copy. Mm -hmm. There's an entire group of people who help do that. So I guess I would say, or maybe it's lies. A lot of folks think they want to write a book and really they want a podcast. Mm -hmm. Really, they want to be talking out loud. So I would hold all of that really open-handedly and kind of just see, see which one's pink. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. try them all. Yeah. A little bit at a time. Yeah. yeah. So you said essentially, you know, find the people who yeah. are going to be encouraging. How did you pick who that was? And is it consistently the same people for you? Or do you, you know, when you come up with a new project, do you pitch it to new people? What does that usually look like mm. for you when you, because I'm afraid to right. say it out loud a lot because I don't want to be held accountable in case it fails mm. or in case mm. it's terrible, you know? Mm. And so I want to sit on it quietly Oh, yeah. And I think those things shift. They have for me. So some of it, sadly, is total trial and error. Some of the people that I thought would be most excited about what I was doing could not care less. (laughs) And that was very painful. That was more at the beginning. I mean, and sometimes the reaction of folks is way more about them than about you, right? Like Mm -hmm. when that idea collides with someone in your life that has regret, right? That they they wish they had done something like this, or they had had the courage to pursue something. It doesn't have to be your thing, but a thing that's going to mess with them. Mm-hmm. And so what they say to you actually is about a 20-year-old regret that they have been nursing. And you can't know that. So sometimes it's just not going to work. But for me, I think about the people who, who just... And I just have to say, this is different from finding your best editor. Okay. I'm, I'm talking about when you're beginning to dream mm-hmm. and you're thinking, I've always wanted to have an Etsy shirt. I have always wanted to be the person who coordinates this event. I have always wanted to be a public speaker. You know, all these things that you've quietly been thinking every time you see someone doing that, I think, oh, oh gosh, I would love to try that mm-hmm. one time. When you're just starting to take the steps and putting that train on the tracks, that's the committee we're talking about right now. Who is going to be able to hold you to a date, mm-hmm. right? So finding someone when you say to them, 
I'm just quietly dreaming about having my own business that does this. That person needs to be willing to say, I'm going to ask you about this in a month. Mm -hmm. And I want you to tell me what you've done. Right. I'm putting it in my calendar right now. I'm going to call you. But you know that that person's not doing that to, to wish you ill, mm-hmm. but to say, let's get this done, sister. You, I know this is a part of you. How can I help? Yeah. So you're looking for the how can I helpers more than how will this go wrong? And yeah. it's a small crew. You don't need a bunch. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. It's not like high school where you think everyone has to like you. False. You really need like two people, yeah. one person. Definitely, if you're married, your spouse needs to be on board. Yeah, I mean, that sure. that's the power move for sure. And if your kids are a little bit older, in, involving them eventually as well and helping them know this is something that I'm just super excited about. I need you to cheer me on. That's a huge thing that I, I think a lot of times women keep that very separate. Yeah. I'm going to do this when you're not bothered. But I, I wish I would have known that earlier, that kids actually can be gigantic support systems. Yeah. That is cool to think about. I mean, my oldest right now is just eight, but she already yeah. in the car today, she said something about, I don't know what she said, but I said, she said, we'll just ask daddy to do it because if I don't give the answer they want, you know, they say, well, we'll just ask dad. Yeah, sure. And I said, right. well, daddy isn't going to be home to do that because he's at work. And she was like, well, you can do it. And I said, but I have to work. And she said, you don't work. And I said, what do you think I do on my computer all the time? She said, well, you do this, this and this. And she did name like all of my current contracts that I yes. have. And I said, how do you know that? And she said, I've just heard you talk about it and I've seen it. And I was like, you're a, you're paying it more attention and you care right. a little more than I thought you did. So it is cool oh, to yes. think about that, like that your kids kind of getting involved in it. So I would encourage you even now to start helping them put to language what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So and that's not just the stuff you get paid for, but to be able to say, one of the things that I'm doing today, I'm going to talk about your day. Yeah. That, I think I had martyr problems for a long time. Like, I just want to make sure everybody else is doing fine and alive. Really, it was just an alive goal for mm-hmm. so many years. But I think I squandered some of that time when I could have been saying and even modeling to my kids. When you're not around, here are some of the things that I am doing to make things happen. Some of them I love. Other things I don't really love, but I know they're important to us. And so, like, if inviting them into that, mm-hmm. I think is very important. And I wish I would have done that earlier. The first box of books that arrived at our doorstep is my very first novel. It's called Balancing Act. And Mark opened it up. I remember we were in our little teeny, teeny, tiny kitchen. And there was a little teeny, teeny, tiny island. And he put this box up on the island and he opened it up. And, you know, I think I was holding Thea, who was, I think she was born that year. Anyway, she, I'm, you know, all these little kids are, are around. What's in the box? They're hoping it is something really fun. And it wasn't. It was a bunch of dumb books. But Mark took one out and he flipped it around. And Mark was so yeah. excited because he knew. He's like, Mom, Mom wrote this. Wrote this book. Can you believe it? And they all stared at him like, you are delusional. I know what mom does every day, and it's not that. And he finally pointed to the author photo and said, this is your mom. And they stared, stared at me, stared at the photo. And I, we have laughed about that so many times since that, you know, that's just such a picture of how clueless children are about the work of their care. But I think part of that was my fault. But there, I mean, I don't think I, I don't know that I would like rewrite that script, but I think I spent too many years furiously working on these things, 
someone needs to be picked up from preschool or kindergarten, nap time's mm-hmm. over, and I go back to my other real life. And I wish I would have merged those more often and said to the people in my house, and this goes for whether you have kids, no kids, a roommate, your parents, say to the people in your lives, I am doing this thing and it takes some courage and I want you to know, I want you to know I'm going to say it out loud and have courage and even saying it out loud because I, I need people to come alongside me. Mm-hmm. I think we miss out on some of the, some of the, the wind at our backs a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. I pulled that on myself. Yeah. Now that my kids are older, they're so, I mean, even your eight-year-old, I'm so glad she had that conversation. You can say to her, it's not just that you're including her. You're saying to her in 20 years when she's starting to ask these same yeah. questions. Yeah. You can have beautiful work and beautiful life and beautiful things with a family. You can do all of those things. It's not always going to be pretty, mm-hmm. but this is all one pot, right? And we're all living in it. And it also helps them know why you're nuts. Like yeah. why sometimes you're tired or crankier. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I want to use the bathroom people. by myself. Okay. Yes. I just want for like five minutes, please. Seriously. <laughs> and that means, can you not stand outside and in the crack of the door jam? I don't people need to see your fingers under it. the door. That under is the weird. Door. Go. Under the door. I love I mean, you. Go I away. I need to tell you that even with elderly children, I opened the bathroom door the other day. Every person living in this house and the mini schnauzer, you're all standing there. And it's like, what? Need a hop? Like, what's the little thing? You waited for someone outside of a bathroom. I don't wait for people outside of a bathroom. Not, not directly <laughs> outside the door in my own home. I don't. That literally no. happened to me no. yesterday. I went to the bathroom. And right, okay, my husband and I, this might be TMI, but I feel like you're going to, you're going to vibe with me on this. <laughs> my husband and I have this debate, right? I will go to the okay. bathroom and not shut the door all the way because we are married. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. just, I'm, no. I'm trying to be efficient. I mean, he's seen things more exactly. than, yeah, that's right. Like, you're totally. fine. So I sit down yeah. to the bathroom. It is his greatest pet peeve because he thinks I should shut the door all shut the way. Shut that door. Mm-hmm. And I still don't. Now, just to make a point, I don't shut the door. And so yeah. there I am trying to use to the bathroom difficult. and the door sh- is not shut all the way. And here comes the entire family inside the bathroom. Of course they did. I mean, he's even carrying the baby in. And he just of is, course like, he is. like, why don't you shut the door? I said, why are you in here? I mean, yeah. what is I mean, there, we can live at peace. Just stay away from the door. This honey. is not hard. Okay. Hilarious. Maps no, I'm are hard. Staying out of the bathroom is not hard. Okay. <laughs> okay, but I will say when you shut that door and then, please, Lord Jesus, let there be a lock. I'm just saying that is true. That it's, it's possible. You could, you might be cheating yourself out of something really wondrous. So many insights here. So many <laughs> insights. Like this is, we should have charged people for this, honestly. But let's, let's lead into that just a little bit, that whole concept of motherhood and dreams real quick. Okay. Because one of the conversations that I have probably the most often, especially with women who are pregnant or have just had their baby, maybe, maybe they are. I I just recently had the conversation with someone who's having their second and trying to decide about work because they still feel passionate about doing something. Right. But they want to be present with their kids. And I think that we are coming on a generation of women who are are wholeheartedly figuring out how to do it both. You know, like I think there were some who were doing it already. Like my mom worked full time and also had all three of us, but she had to do it out of necessity. But I think we're seeing some women who are doing it by choice. 
now Mm -hmm. and feeling Mm -hmm. a lot of guilt about that. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember sitting in a room with someone when I was trying to decide what I was going to do. And I said, I really want to keep working. And I think there's a lot of women behind me who want to have children and work too. And he said, well, the highest calling a woman can have is to be a wife and a mother and to honor that calling. And I thought, just to clarify, the person in the room who didn't have a uterus yes. said this to you? Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. got it. But I, I just, I keep having these conversations of I want to do both. And it, I love being able to say you can. I mean, it is, right. it is possible. So when you were doing both, how did you yeah. stay like, hey, this is okay for me to be doing both of these things. I mm-hmm. can be a good mom and I can yeah. also be a good writer. I can, I can be a good wife. I can be a good friend. I can do it. What did that feel like to you and how did you navigate some of that tension? Oh, gosh. I mean, honestly, part of me is just so sad that we're still talking about, mm-hmm. you know, still really wrestling with this. And particularly, I hate to tell you, but some of the most damaging conversations on this topic happen in the church. I mean, I lo- I've, that, even that language of the highest calling, that's very... It's pretty heavy laden language. And that's not in the Bible. There is no Bible verse that says the highest calling for a woman is to raise her children at home by herself mm. with Nickelodeon. It never says that. So um, I do believe in the calling of motherhood and I am grateful for it. Mm-hmm. So I would say the first thing is I had to and still have to begin my days with a total posture of surrender. And sitting over and over again to God, the hours you give me are really yours. So how do you want me to use them? Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, here's my plan, please follow along like a good little duckling would. Mm -hmm. Which is sometimes how I talk to the God of the universe, which is particularly disgusting. You know, in seasons where there are seasons, this is something I wish someone, I did not, no one told me Mm -hmm. that there are roller coaster swings in terms of of what will be demanded of you in seasons of parenting and of work. And so I'm, you know, I'm starting to look at this again, because again, my Anna, my eldest is 21. She's a junior in college. She's starting to make big decisions about what's next. Mm -hmm. Where do I go now? And she's asking some of these questions. Well, I love this career looks really fascinating, but I need to think about how will that, how will that work with the family? Mm -hmm. And I don't think we do anyone a service to say, oh, it'll just all work out. Don't worry about it. Like that's a little bit naive and a little bit ridiculous. And really what happens is that the woman starts to feel like, well, why is this not working? Mm-hmm. Right? Everyone said it would work out. Don't worry about it. It's actually really hard. Yeah. So I don't want to be naive. And I want to be really mindful that I, I wholeheartedly believe that, that we are gifted with particular things. And motherhood can coexist beautifully with those giftings. Now, when you have a newborn, I do not recommend taking on the biggest work project you've ever had. Mm-hmm. There will be seasons all throughout your child's life where you are probably going to have to step back. And it's an honor to step back because otherwise you're all going to go insane, right? I mean, the thing is, three teenagers in some ways are far more emotionally demanding than elbow years, like not even close. I, it's a long on-ramp, right, to the moments when midnight someone 
taps you on the shoulder and says, can we please talk about gender and sexuality? You know, I mean, if that started out in the hospital with a newborn, you would weep bitterly and say, is there a return policy? So I think there's a reason that the first shock is, oh my gosh, you will never sleep again. Or you, your sleep will be different now. Even when you're sleeping through the night, it's a, your, your one ear is open for another human being. Um, but when that intersects with work, and it will, of course, our families intersect with work. And whoever made up the, whoever made up the crazy lie that you can have compartmentalized, here is my work. And then I will shut that down and be, I just, that has not happened very well for me. And I think seasons have been, a, have been a help mm-hmm. thinking of this as sometimes you're going to be needed in different ways. And then saying that out loud to all of your people mm-hmm. in your room. Mm-hmm. This is an intense season. I'm finishing a deadline. I'm doing this. Now, for me, it worked out for me to be mostly home for the mm-hmm. early years of my kids' lives, all of them. And I did just kind of sit the writing in before they were awake, after they were asleep, during nap time. During, I mean, you can, it's amazing what you can ninja with a, with a schedule. Mm-hmm. But that's a very personal decision. Very personal. And you have to give, them, give yourself the freedom for it to morph and change as, your, as you grow and as your family grows. And being okay. I love that you said that it's just there's some seasons that you have to step back. And that doesn't mean you're failing or that. No, you know, like you never should have done it in the first place. It just means no. there's, there's more and different things required of you right now. And that doesn't mean it right. won't change again. I just think that's, right. that's holding it way more loosely than I think a lot yep. of us do. Absolutely. Yeah. And we don't love that. We don't yeah. love the loose hold. It I, makes it feels I very comfortable. Hate I, hate I kind of want someone to give me an agenda. Also, just know people will have feelings about whatever you do. Sure. No matter what you do, you stay home. People are going to be ticked about that. You have a super high-powered, intense job, ticked about that. I have had more people weigh in on my life, and it is just astonishing to me because they're not looking it. I had someone not too long ago help me devise a plan on when I would in- increase my public speaking commitments. I thoroughly know this person, and she confidently stood in the lobby of our church and told me that when Thea was in her senior year, preferably after May of that year, then I should start to, I, I stood there like, that is so helpful. Thank you so much. And what a tweeting trap. I would never go up to someone and be like, really, this would be your best life plan. But yep. people do it. And you have to know that going in, no matter what decision. It's like naming your children. Oh, okay? my gosh. People have feelings. They Everybody. have feelings. Or when you have a child and someone walks up and is like, when are you going to have another one? And I'm like, who are you? I don't even know your oh, last name. Oh, you want to know my family plan? Oh, I don't. I don't fascinating. I know. Yeah, just it is. tons of grace. You have to have so much grace for yourself, I think. And so much grace that people are going to say stupid things. You can't decide. You can't make life decisions depending, you know, as a reaction to the church lobby conversation. Gosh, not a good idea. And that is, you know, if there's something I wish that I had learned sooner and I still have to relearn it is that, you know, people pleasing is essentially saying that someone else's opinion holds more weight and more value than that, whatever God is asking of you, right? So it's like, God's like calling something out of you, but you're afraid of what someone might think or say or they've shared their opinion and it has scared you enough to not do whatever you were initially called to. You have now put more weight to that person than you have to, you know, God's hand in your life. You're saying this person is more, they carry more weight than you do. 
And that was a little bit mind blowing to me when I had that realization a couple of years ago of, oh, my word, you know, like I'm going to choose disobedience because I'm afraid they might say like, I fear them more than I fear God. That's when things are a little, little out of order, right? What do you wish you would have known sooner? I wish you would have gotten just a tiny glimpse, especially on the hard days when I don't know that anyone ever really wiped the counters that was not me. Days when you put this, I'm the only one who knows where all the urine is going because I'm cleaning it up. You know what I'm saying? There were days, weeks when I felt a little alone in those pursuits. I felt like I'd done what I was supposed to do and gotten an education. And really, where I was ending up was with feces. Yeah. And so I wish that on those days in particular, that I could have just had one snapshot from the future where. I would see how all of these disparate parts of my life, I would, God would use them. So I mentioned I'm coaching, doing author coaching right now. I'm reading upwards of, I mean, when I have a full coaching week, I'm, I'm reading the equivalent of at least one trade paperback just in people's words, right? So like mm-hmm. 60,000 words a week. And I'm podcasting, so I'm reading a couple of books every week for that. And I'm reacting to folks writing and I get in the weeds with them and I'm, you know, paragraph by paragraph, really helping them as best I can to make that pro sparkle. It's a great job. I love it. I didn't know it was a job in grad school. One of the, my assignments was we had, the, I helped teach this gigantic survey course that I've, all education majors had to take. And there was an optional five to seven page paper that they could submit every single week for extra credit to help buffer their grade. The professor decided that. Professor decided, but I was the one who had to read all the papers. And so that was a very, that was not a glamorous job. That was very monotonous. I was paid almost nothing. Mm -hmm. And I remember multiple semesters of that thinking, why am I doing this? When will I ever use this? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that experience of being kind of a, an editor, basically, of the big ideas and small ideas. I use that every week. And so, and I have a bunch of examples with that. The teaching I use in speaking, that all of these things that I thought, I'm such a weirdo. I have so many weird jobs that don't even connect. That's not true. Yeah. Because we're not very good at seeing all of the interlacing. Mm-hmm. God is good at that. So in my 20s, I would have loved for someone, I would have loved for God just to let me have one peek of, look at it. I'm going to use all the things that you think are just darts at a board. They are, they are all connected and you are going to love how they merge. Mm-hmm. So just be patient. I wish mm-hmm. some, I wish I would have known to, to trust that mm-hmm. and to be patient in the working out. And that's, I love, I mean, we say all the time on this podcast that hindsight is everything because I just love hindsight. There's not a moment that I have looked back and not been able to trace in some way how these little strings came together, good and bad, like really terrible things and really great things, you know, the highest and the lowest. All right, Kimberly, we finish every episode with one question. Some people love it. Some people hate it. So I'm curious how you're going to feel about it. What what is one thing that you are so happy that someone did tell you about? This could be anything. I would say one thing that I'm very, very grateful for, and I cannot, sadly, I cannot remember the name of the person who said this to me. I mean, a million years ago, I was very newly married. This is the best advice I've been given. And it was specific to marriage, but I found that it can work pretty much everywhere. 
someone asked her, it was like a panel discussion and, and she had been married for, I feel like it was 70 years, but I, you know, I write fiction. I make stuff up. Maybe it wasn't quite that much. Um, she said, the person asked her, what's the best, help us basically. How did you do this? How do you, you know, they were cute. The couple, she was with her husband. They were holding hands. They still loved each other. And she said, assume the best of each other. And I have thought of that more than pretty much any other piece of advice that I've been given. I get into most of my yanks with other people, whether it's my husband, my kids, my colleagues, my friends, when I assume not the best. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes people have a track, track record that you can start to follow that yeah. and see that this, you're going to have to address something. But usually the people who love you in particular are not trying to ruin your life, mm. right? They're not trying to be critical. They're not trying to take you down. And so assuming, oh, actually, this person really does love me. And I bet they didn't mean for that to land the way it did. Oh, boy, that has been a huge help. Yes. A million times over. So mm -hmm. thank you to whoever you were, the friend of Winston, who gave that little nugget to me. I love that so much because it's so it's usually the most simple and basic advice that you really do need yeah. to hold on to the longest, right? Like it doesn't yep. have to be that difficult. It is that easy to just assume Absolutely. the best. And I promise that little mental committee will quiet down as well if you're just assuming totally. the best, right? Where can we find what you already have out and more about you, your podcast, all those things? Yes, KimberlyStewart.com and it's S-T-U-A-R-T. Uh, everything kind of hangs out there. And then I'm on Instagram fairly frequently, and that's Kimberly.Stewart.Right, as in W-R-I-T-S. With a pen, yeah. Or you're With always right. Yeah. Kimberly yeah. Stewart yeah. is always right. Not, no, definitely yep. not, not my handle or my life in any <laughs> way, shape, or form. And yeah, the new book out, it comes out in April. It's my first foray into nonfiction. And just, there's a photo on the cover, Callie, of me at my eighth grade graduation. That's and bold. And that was in the 80s. That's a bold choice. So I think, I, well, I had an entire week of crying about that, thinking, what am I doing? Why am I not the girl with like an embossed foil cover? Why does it have swirly writing and like inspire people to like in instantly have a devotional? Uh, yeah, no, not me. So I've come I to it. me bit and well, I hope readers can connect. <laughs> when do pre-orders open? They're out. Are they out? Oh. So they are. So it's an exciting time. It's called Star for Jesus. And then in parentheses, and other jobs I quit. Oh, it's a book about that's a whole other conversation we have to Yeah, um, Kimberly, that was one of the questions that we skimmed over. We're going to circle back next time. Okay, we'll circle back. I'm here for it. We're going to circle back. Thank you so much for jumping on here, Kimberly. It was so much fun. You're the just... I knew I was excited for a good reason, you know? Well, thank you so much for having me. It is an honor. I'm going to go brush up on my geography now. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>